Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. It's great to worship God together this morning. Whether you are in your pajamas or if you decided to dress up for church, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I super appreciate the invitation given to me by my brother Jeff. It's always an honor to speak before my brothers and sisters here in Southern Connecticut. Let's jump right in. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Let me read that one more time. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. In other words, be changed by the renewal of your mind. This morning's message is vitally important. Renewed love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would use this message this morning to literally transform our love for you and our love for others. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When someone loves something, isn't it obvious? For example, Think about the amount of energy and effort people put forth towards their sports teams. Like when you watch a game on television, you often see people dress up like it's Halloween. And I'm not talking about the children. I'm talking about grown folks. I'm talking about adults. They paint their faces. They wear these crazy outfits simply because of their love for their teams. When someone loves something, it's so obvious. You know, there are other things people love as well. People love spending time at the beach. People love playing video games. People love taking a hike in the woods or in their favorite park. People love reading a good book or watching a good movie. Some people have a strong affection for dogs and cats. They just love dogs. They just love cats. Some people just love and crave the taste of chocolate. Some folk are addicted to ice cream. I'm not talking about in summer, but I'm talking about in the winter time. And lastly, some folk love to start their day with a fresh cup of coffee. When someone loves something, isn't it obvious? You know, even more, shouldn't our love for God be obvious to all? You know, God is more than worthy of our love and our affection. When we love God, it should be obvious by the way we live, by the things we do, and by the things we say. 
In Romans 12, verse 2, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God has the power to literally transform and change the way we love God and love others. You know, I love that. That's good news. It's good news because we can change, folks. But how does God change us? The New Living Translation states, by allowing God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. It's all about our mindset. In other words, stop trying and start training. I want to say that again. Stop trying and start training. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, the Bible says, Surely you know that many runners take part in a race, but only one of them wins the prize. Run then in such a way as to win the prize. Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with a wreath that will not last. But we do it for one that will last forever. It's all about our mindset. True change starts in our mind and the way we think. Stop trying and start training. Trying never achieves consistent results. Trying never achieves consistent results. Training does. Training is a different mindset. Trying is an attempt to change with minimal commitment. It's often a half-hearted attempt. Like, I'm trying to be more loving, or I'm trying to read my Bible, or I'm trying to be more kind and friendly. I'm trying to be more forgiving. I'm trying to be more selfless. I'm trying to be more patient. When you're trying, it simply implies you'll probably fail. Why? Because there's really no commitment attached to it. It's just a wish. It's just a fantasy. I'm trying, but I'm not really going anywhere. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Training, however, is much different. It's a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. When you're training, you have a game plan. You have a strategy. You have the eye of the tiger. That's where you have Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4. I don't know how many Rocky movies there are. Maybe Rocky 20. But the bottom line is you are here to win. You have a divine vision of seeing yourself be transformed in your love. When you're training, you don't act according to your feelings. When you're training, you don't act according to your emotions. Instead, you act according to your commitment. There's a big difference. There's a difference between trying and training. The Bible says in verse 25, every athlete in training submits to strict Discipline. It's not trying. The Bible says training. You know, that word strict training in Greek literally means to agonize. 
to contend for victory, to strain every nerve for a goal. And that's what it's going to take to be renewed in our love. It's all about our mindset. In order for God to change the way we love, we must go into strict training. Well, how important is love? Well, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says God is love. And anyone who doesn't love others have never known him. How important is love? Well, God says God is love. And anyone who doesn't love others have never known him. How important is love? In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says we know what love is because Jesus gave his life for us. That's why we must give our lives for each other. The God we worship is the God of love. How important is love? The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 and verse 10, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the scriptures. Love is the fulfillment of the entire Bible. According to God, it's all about love. In John chapter 13, in verse 34 and verse 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you. Love one another as I loved you. So you must love one another. By this, by this, by what? By our love Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The Bible says love is the proof that we are his disciples. Well, what does that mean? It's the evidence that I really am a part of God's family. It's the proof that I'm really going to heaven. It's the proof that I am a born again Christian. It's the proof that I am a part of God's family. It's the proof that I'm on the right side and not the wrong side of God. Jesus says the proof is love. Love is what validates our faith. Let me give you an example. When we moved here from New York about 10 years ago, I needed a Massachusetts driver's license. Thus, we had to go to the DM. V. In other words, the Department of Motor Vehicles to get one. But before I could get one, it was very important to the DMV that we authenticate or validate my identity. We had to prove, I had to prove that Larry Reed is Larry Reed. So how do we prove that? They don't just give you a license just because you say, my name is Paul Brown. They have to validate. They have to prove that you're that person. So what do you do? You had to bring documents and prove or validate who you are. I needed a photo ID. I needed a proof of signature, whether it was a United States passport or a lease document or a marriage certificate. I needed proof of Massachusetts residency as our home or as with our home or a utility bill within 60 days. I needed to give my social security number and then I had to pay a fee. All of this just to prove 
who I say I am. Brothers and sisters, that's true with a lot of things in life. You can't just walk up to an ATM and say, give me $20. You have to validate. You have to validate that that card really belongs to you by putting in that secret code, that secret pin code number on the machine. You see, in the same way, God is looking for proof. He's looking for proof to validate who you say you are. You have to prove your identity. You have to prove that you really are a child of God. You have to prove that you've trusted Christ, that you know him, that you have a personal walk with God. God is not merely interested in our words. Well, I love me some Jesus. But just because you say that doesn't mean you're walking closely with Jesus. Just because you say, I love me some Jesus, you got to prove it. Just because you say you believe in God doesn't necessarily mean you're right with God. The devil himself believes in God, but we all know that the devil is not on God's team. You got to prove it. How? By our love, people will know that we are his disciples. Well, how else do you validate one's identity? The Bible says God looks at your lifestyle and he says, do you love? In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says, my children, our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love which shows itself in action. Did you hear that? It's by our actions of love that people will know that we're really disciples of Jesus Christ. This is agape love. This is a selfless love, not selfishness. You see, selfishness is what makes this world so dark. Selfishness is what's destroying our households and our marriages. This kind of love takes training. But this agape love is a love that puts the needs of others before yourself. This kind of love is a choice one makes. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's something you decide to do. Action. Training. That's why Jesus said that the most powerful sign and proof that a Christian has to offer is that you love one another. And it's by the proof of your love that will show people that you're really my disciple. We love others best when we love God most. You know, we love our spouses more when we love God most. We love our children more when we love God most. We love our employer more when we love God most. We love others best when we love God most. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to renew our love to him and others this morning. I got two quick challenges for us. Number one, God is calling us to love when you don't feel like it. God is calling us to love even when you don't feel like 
loving. God is saying, you got to love anyways. In Matthew chapter 14, I'm reminded of a long, emotionally draining day that Jesus had. After a long day of teaching, after an exhausting day of healing all of those who were sick, Jesus is tired emotionally. Jesus is tired physically. And then he hears some tragic news that John the Baptist was killed by King Herod. He hears that Herod beheaded John in prison. But the details to this is even more tragic. He hears that John's head was brought on the platter as a birthday gift for his wicked daughter who had a wish, who had a dream, who had a desire. I want John's head. And that's what King Herod gave his daughter for a birthday gift. It was a nasty gift that she wanted. Let's pick up the story. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, had compassion on them, and healed their sick. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it's already late. Send the crowds away, Jesus, so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. You know, real love is loving when you don't feel like loving. You know, Jesus had a, a rough day. And yet Jesus was still making decisions to keep on loving when he didn't feel like loving. You know, we see the Lord and his disciples and his disciples were trying to get some alone time with Jesus. But the Bible says the crowds found out where Jesus was. You know, the Bible is so real and so relatable. The disciples said, can you just send these people away so we can get some hang time amongst ourselves? I mean, they were tired. They were tired like us. They had enough. They were finished serving. They were finished giving. They were finished loving. They had enough. Can you send the crowds away, Jesus, and allow them to find food for themselves? But notice Jesus. He too was tired. But the Bible says Jesus had compassion for all the people who had sought him. You know, they don't need to go away, Jesus says. Instead, I want you to give them something to eat. Real love is loving when you don't feel like loving. And then we see one of the greatest miracles in the Bible, where Jesus uses five loaves of bread and two small fish to feed the bellies of 5,000 people. And when they were all full, there was still some leftovers remaining. Lesson learned, stop living by your feelings. Stop living by 
all your emotions. Stop letting your moods control what you do and start training your mind to love like the scriptures is calling us to. Think about it. Who always feels like going to work? No one, but you go ahead anyways. You push past what you don't feel like doing. How about this one? Mothers aren't always thrilled and excited to get up in the wee morning hours of the night to tend to their children's. But they've trained themselves to love when they don't feel like loving. Praise God for mothers. You see, true love trains themselves to go past your feelings. You know, I remember reading this scripture during my time of worship as a young Christian. I was totally inspired by Jesus' selfless love for others. You know, that same day, I found out that my Aunt Bev passed away suddenly. I remember having a scheduled Bible study set up with a young man named David who was married. I was torn. Do I cancel my Bible study? I know that David was eager to study the Bible. Or do I push past my emotions? Do I push past my feelings? like Jesus did, just like I saw that morning and still study the Bible with him. You know, let me be honest, everything within me didn't want to study that night. I wasn't feeling it. All the family was there at the house and here I am and I'm torn and, and I made a decision with tears in my eyes that I am going to study the Bible with David, even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to love him anyways. You know, when David found out that my aunt passed away earlier that day and that I still desired to study the Bible with him, he told me that it was my act of love. It was the sacrifice that I made to get with him when I could have been with the rest of the family that inspired him to make Jesus Christ Lord of his life. And he got baptized within a couple of days after that last study. You know, love is a powerful thing. Love's a powerful thing when you don't feel like loving, but you make a conscious decision to still love anyways. You know, God is calling us today to love when you don't feel like loving. And Paul himself knows that this is not an easy thing to do. In Ephesians chapter four and verse two, the Bible says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know, that word bear literally means to put up with. You know, sometimes we have to put up with people in the spirit of love. You see, true love bears with one another. You know, we all know people that test our love. We all know people that test our patience. I'm talking about people we deem as annoying and irritable. For example, how about that person who talks your ears off all the time? You don't feel like loving that person at that moment, but God says bear up with that person. 
How about when you had a long day and your kids are on your last nerve? It's in that moment that God is calling us to bear up in love. How about that person who seems to be always critical, who seems to be always negative about something? God says, I want you to bear up to that person. How about that individual who cut you off while you were driving in the road instead of giving that person a piece of your mind? God says you need to put up with that person. Bear up and have a spirit of love. How about that person who you keep loving up on and you keep giving to? And they never say, thank you. God says, keep loving them anyways. Put up with them. Bear up with them. And keep loving even when you don't feel like it. God is calling us to bear with one another in a spirit of love. That's why Jesus said, it's by our love that people will know we're his disciples. Love is powerful. And this leads us to our last point. Love those you don't know. You got to love those you don't know. You know, there are two types of people in your life. Those you know, and then second of all, those you don't know. Well, what motivates someone to reach out to a person you don't know? It's love. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know, as a student at Ball State University, I was interrupted one day as I was going to mess hall to the cafeteria, and I was invited by a total stranger to church. I'm talking about someone that I did not know, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Sandra had a great day that day. I'm thankful that she pushed past her emotions, that she pushed past her feelings and reached out to me. Where would I be today, this total stranger, if this total stranger had not reached out to me? You know, I was a religious man who knew a lot of scriptures, but I was steep in sin. But what motivated her? What motivated her to share the love of God with me? It was her love. You see, it takes training. It takes discipline to love like this. And God is calling you and I to train ourselves to love like this. We need to reach those we don't know. It's not easy. But we have to practice and we have to train ourselves to have compassion just like Jesus did. You know, I'm so inspired by Charles Bradley. Charles Bradley's a great husband. He's a great father. He's a member of the South Central Choir. He's a family group leader, and he's also a member of the South City's leadership team. One day, Charles was sharing his faith with an individual named J Jair. He didn't know this man initially, but he chose to love him anyways, and he planted a seed of God's word in his life, he reached out to him. He invited him to church and to other events like our marriage retreats. But Jair was pretty content with where he was at in his life at that time. Well, he wasn't ready. He wasn't obedient to the word. Year two went by. Year five went by. Year 10 went by. Year 15 went by. Year 20 went by. 23 years later, Jair reached out to Charles for some spiritual advice. And Jair asked Charles, 
Is it okay if you and I can study the Bible again? I know it's 23 years later. You see, something powerful happened as they studied. A major turning point occurred. Jair saw the need to spiritually lead his wife and to spiritually lead his two teen daughters. God's word was transforming his heart and his mind. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to tell you that Jair is now your brother in Christ. He got baptized a few weeks ago, amen? Praise God for Charles. Praise God for Charles persevering for 23 long years. And as a result of Jair's good confession, Jair's wife is studying the Bible and Jair's two daughters who are teenagers are studying the Bible. I'm here to tell you, God is an awesome God. Got a question for you. Are you making yourself available to God to reach those in your path? You know, God wants us to tell somebody about him. We need to tell somebody about him. We need to love our brothers. We need to love our sisters. We need to love our, our co-workers. We need to love our neighbors. Well, who's your neighbor? Anybody who is not in the kingdom of God. There is a power in the love of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let me tell you something. There's a power that comes from God when we love people. God has a way of unleashing his love in our hearts to those we share our faith with when we live and obey his spirit. Our job is simple. Simply obey God. Share Jesus with someone. Open up your mouth and sow some seeds. God has the more difficult job. It's his responsibility to make those seeds grow. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, the Bible says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I want to encourage you to make a decision this morning. And train yourself, not try, but train yourself to be known for your love. I'm going to end with some commandments by a doctor named Kent. It goes like this. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyways. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyways. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow, but do good anyways. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. When you spend years building what could be destroyed overnight, Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have, and you'll get kicked in your teeth. 
give the world the best you have anyways. Now is the time, brothers and sisters, to allow God to renew our love, to transform us, to change us, to renew our love to God being the glory. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.